0: Again, thanks for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the sermon. Well, good morning and Merry Christmas, everybody. Let me say good morning and Merry Christmas to all of you joining us online. We are in week four of our Christmas series, Love Came Down, where we are looking at the Christmas story uh, through the lives of those surrounding it. And so far, we've uh, looked at the Christmas narrative through Mary's perspective and Joseph's perspective and Herod's perspective, and today... Uh, We look at the Christmas story maybe in a way that you haven't ever before. Uh, Today we're looking at the coming of Christ through the perspective of Satan, the devil. And we look at a text that isn't normally taught at Christmas or in the Christmas season. So if you do have a Bible with you, whether electronic or hard copy, open with me to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. Probably, maybe didn't think you were going to look at Revelation during Christmas, right? Revelation chapter 12, and while you're turning there, a couple of announcements as we get started. First of all, as you can tell, today is Baptism Sunday, and we are excited, and I hope you're excited. Amen. (laughs) On Baptism Days, we invite those that maybe weren't expecting to be baptized to consider it. If you've never been baptized, or maybe you were sprinkled or covered as an infant maybe in your past. That is your parents' faith, and we honor and celebrate that, but that certainly wasn't your faith in that moment, and maybe God is going to move in that in this time for you to be a part of what's happening today and join in the proclamation and the testimony of Christ as Savior through your baptism and stuff. We have clothes, we have t-shirts, we have stuff for you. You don't have to worry about any of that. We try to remove any barrier that might keep you from being baptized as an act of obedience to Christ as he calls us into that public uh, proclamation. So if that is you today, I'd invite you to start praying now because we'll uh, have baptisms at the end of our service time and stuff. And so uh, again, we'll come back to that, but begin praying now. Christmas Eve is coming up, 4 and 6 p.m., identical services, 4 o'clock and 6 p.m., and then Sunday, December 26th. Next Sunday, we'll have one service, so make sure you make note. One service, 10.30 a.m. here in the auditorium. It's a family service, so everybody will be in here together as we celebrate on that Sunday. All right? Now... Before we get into our text, into Revelation chapter 12, Revelation can be a confusing book. It can be a challenging book. It's got biblical symbolism. It's got prophetic retellings of the Old Testament uh, imagery, but it's an important book. It's an important book for us, and the word revelation in the Greek means the unveiling, the unveiling. And so the book of Revelation shows us what's happening, if you will, behind the scenes, Right, it's kind of like if if God, the man behind the the curtain, is to kind of pull it back a little bit and opens it up to us so that we can see. And so and I will say this: this passage of scripture and this text in chapter 17 is uh, a little strange. So be ready. All right. So Revelation chapter 12, verses 1 through 17. Let's look at it together. And a great sign appeared in heaven: a woman clothed with the sun with the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains in the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child he might devour it. Verse 5, she gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Verse 7, now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil, and Satan, the deceiver of the world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. Verse 11. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. Therefore, rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and half a time. Verse 15. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with a flood. But the earth came to the help of the woman and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Verse 17. Then the dragon became furious and the woman with a woman, and went off to make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sand of the sea. Not necessarily the Christmas text that you look for in December, is it? Let me begin by saying all of us, everyone on earth, we're all created by God in his image. And we are created to know God, and not just to know God, but to know him as Father, Abba, Dad. And if you haven't met him yet, he's waiting on you. He's wanting to meet you, he's desiring to meet you. And in that creation, we've all been searching for God. Search for God is not a foreign concept. People have been searching and looking for God for thousands of years. People have worshiped the stars, they've looked for God in the trees. They've worshipped the sun and the moon. They've worshipped the animals. All of us have been created to worship and find God. And all of humanity, since the beginning, has been searching for God. But 2,000 and now 21 years ago, it all changed. We just sang Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came to us. And when Jesus entered the equation, when Jesus entered into earth, as we celebrate at Christmas... Instead of people searching for God, God was now pursuing them. Jesus, the Son, came to point the way to the Father and to show Him and reveal Him to us that all of us can have a heavenly Father who loves us and longs to have a relationship with us. Praise God. But standing in the way of that, as our text shows us, standing in the way from the very beginning... Standing in the way of that relationship is the enemy. And it's dangerous to us if we don't see him clearly. The enemy, the devil, wants to distract, destroy, steal, kill, destroy, as Jesus taught us in John 10. Fundamentally lead us away. Ultimately wants to keep us from experiencing the love of the Father. Have you ever heard that every nativity set needs a dragon? Have you ever read that? I've read it and I've said that a few times to others. might look like this. That's Revelation 12, in a sense. Not usually associated with the nativity, right? This is important, though. You probably never imagine it like that, but that's exactly how the dragon would want it. Exactly how he would want it. Not only to believe he doesn't exist in the Christmas story, but that he doesn't exist at all. Now, in our text, let me explain a few key parts to help us understand kind of what's happening here. The woman who's giving birth, as some would think that might represent Mary, it doesn't. It represents God's people the people of God, the nation of Israel. In the Old Testament, it represents God's people. The son that she has, the male son, is Jesus Christ. And the red dragon, as we've already said, Satan, the devil. And in that sense, the Christmas story was not so much a silent night. As we understand Revelation in the unveiling, the man's kind of pulling back the curtain so that we know that there is this cosmic battle that's happening. The text gives us a glimpse into that reality, right? And what is telling us today, right now, in this moment, that life is not a game. It's not a game. It's not something that we haphazardly go through day in and day out. It's not a game. Heaven and hell are real. Eternity is real. And Jesus died so that he could give us a way into that eternity with him. But there's an enemy. There is an enemy out there who desires to destroy the testimony of Jesus and to keep away, keep us away from the faith that we are to have in the one true God. And at the end of our text, which we'll get to in a little bit, verse 17, that's Satan's perspective. That's Satan's perspective. He goes after God's children. He recognizes his defeat. He goes after God's children. His perspective on Christmas, as we've entitled this, Satan's perspective, is that he goes after those that God loves, God's children. He couldn't defeat Jesus, so he goes after us. And that's why we do well today. To be reminded or maybe learn for the first time the tactics of the enemy. See, the birth of Jesus commenced the death of Satan as promised to us in Genesis 3. When the fall occurred at the very beginning of the Bible, when sin entered into that moment, there was a a promise made that, that the enemy would be defeated. Satan, the devil, the great deceiver. And Jesus' birth commenced the death of Satan. The birth of Jesus declared the death of the ancient serpent. The death and resurrection of Jesus defanged then the dragon. But here's the truth. The dragon's been defeated, but not destroyed. When Jesus rose from the grave, he removed from the the dragon's arsenal death. And when he comes back to set up his kingdom, he will remove the dragon once and for all. But until that day, we have to deal with the dragon He is cornered, not caged. He's defeated, not destroyed. And the question is how do you see him? How do you see him today? Do you see the enemy clearly? I mean, I'm not afraid of the devil, but I realize he is clever, he's annoyingly resilient, cunning, as the Bible describes. And every time you think you've overcome, he shows back up. A.W. Tozer, pastor, theologian, he said, the world is not a playground, but a battleground. We're not here to frolic. We're here to fight. So since the devil's goal is to ruin and wreck our lives together and stand in the way of our relationship with our Heavenly Father, which is what we've been looking for and desiring, right? Let's look at the ways that the dragon comes to fight and recognize his goal of keeping us from the love of the Father. Here's two ways I'll give you. Here's the first one. He lies about our identity. He lies about your identity. In verse 10 of our text, it says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night Before God, there's a battle for our hearts. It's a battle for your heart. God designed us to be loved deeply daily. And the dragon tries to convince us that you can't be. The dragon tries to convince you that you can't be loved deeply. And you certainly can't be loved on on the daily. That you won't be loved deeply and daily and that you don't deserve to be loved deeply and daily and when we fall into believing that lie when we base our identity on that we'll base then our identity on one of four things that researchers psychologists have found that are to be common in those who are struggling with that love deeply and daily from their creator these are the four things appearance how we look achievement, what we've done, associations, who we know, acquisitions, what we own, what we have. And the problem with that is, listen, if that is where you and I find our identity, in our, in our appearance, in, in our achievement, in our association, in, in our acquisition, the problem with that, if our identity is who we are, who we believe we are, is found in any of those things, we'll either have a very high Or a very low view of ourselves. We'll either be too hard on ourselves or we'll be too easy on ourselves. The only way to see clearly, to know deeply and daily that we're loved is to get our view from God, from our Heavenly Father, our Creator. Why? Because He's the only one who accurately knows us. He's the only one who can tell us. Why? Because as we've mentioned, he's the creator. He made us. So he defines our identity. He reminds us of our identity throughout life. But when our identity is found in these things, by these things, we identify ourselves by these things. The problem we always run into is honesty. Right? Honesty. The heart tells a different story. Because it's never really, truly satisfied by being loved by those four things, by your appearance. You might have a day where you're like, man, I am killing it today. Look at me, selfie, send this all my friends. And you have another day where you're like, man, I hope no one sees me today. You laugh because it's true, right? Achievement. We all want all those little letters next to our name on our resume. We want those achievements. We want our our... our 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 stats from sports to show up. We want those achievements. We find our identity in those things. Our associations, how many people name drop. I know so and so, who knows so and so. Our acquisitions, look at what I drive, where I live, what I have. And see, when we identify ourselves with these things, the problem we always run into is honesty. There's always somebody better, there's always somebody worse. We never focus on the worst. We always focus on the better. So the problem we run into is honesty. The heart tells a different story because it's never going to be satisfied by those four things. It's longing for something greater. That's why it's a vicious cycle. And when all innocence is lost to fight the lie of the dragon about who we are, the only way to regain it is to expose our hearts to the truth of the Father. Listen to how the Father identifies you. How he identifies us. You are beloved child. You are a new creation. You are a chosen friend. You are a son, a daughter of the King of Kings. You are a royal heir. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. You are delivered. You are a witness to Jesus. You are a saint. You are a minister of reconciliation. You are an ambassador to the nations. You are a citizen of heaven. You are freed. And the list, we could keep going. No condemnation in Jesus. He raised us in Christ. And if you don't see yourself like this, what if you did? If that's not how you see yourself, what if you did? How would that change your life and how you live? God loves you so. John three sixteen. God loves you so. Not partly, not, not kinda, not sorta, but so loves you. He so loves us that He gave. What did He give? He gave His Son. He gave His Son. We celebrate Him giving His Son, His Son coming to us this time of year. He gave Himself. He gave all, right? He gave all to and for us. Let me say this to you. I hope you hear this today. And those of you watching online, we have never lived an unloved day in our life. You need to let that settle. You have never lived an unloved day in your life. Ever. That's our proclamation to the world. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, Paul writes, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. As beloved children, we walk in love, powered by God's love. Christ gave Himself. There is no greater gift ever given. That is the love of the Father for us. Now we must identify in it and stop listening to the lies of the dragon. That's the first thing. It's the first way the dragon comes at us. Here's the second one Not only does He lie about our identity, He lies about our destiny. He lies about our destiny. How we understand where we find our identity will affect our destiny. How you know who you are, your identity will affect your destiny. To love others as we have been loved. If we don't receive the love of the Father, which we are made to receive, it is very hard to give love away. The battle, it really wages and it rages against us in loving others as we are to bring that daily deep love then we are to give it away. The dragon wants nothing more than for you and I, for us, to never share that love with others, to express the Father's love through our hands and our words and our heart to others around us. Again, Revelation 12. Look back in our text. Look at the last verse. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to do what? Listen, listen to these words. Make war on the rest of her offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Relationships, listen, relationships marked by constant conflict, constant jealousy, confrontation, tension, competition. Relationships that are marked by those particular things more than likely are not allowing yourself. It's because you're more than likely not allowing yourself to receive the love of the Father. So it's affecting our ability to give it to others. And so our relationships begin to experience the expressions of a love-empty life. So again, the, the, the important piece here is we must be settled vertically because that's where we receive the daily deep love and our identity is settled vertically. These, this is who I am, and as I know that, then I can love horizontally. You see the picture here, right? Right? And if it's not settled vertically, then then this stuff, conflict, jealousy, confrontation, tension, all those things are produced when when our life is empty of that love. And again, our identity then affects our destiny. The battle for the heart affects the battle for the mind. We see this everywhere, the common thread. Here's the common thread. I hope we all get this one today. We're all hurting in some way. You've never looked in the eyes of someone else who isn't fighting a battle you know nothing about. Imagine the world how it would change if we truly saw others in that way. How our hearts might be softened. Most of our problems are relational at the core. We all want to receive love, but we have to give love in order to receive it. So we spend time with, I spend time with many who have a lot of panic and very little peace. For fear is always present. These are the attacks of the dragon, panic and fear. That's the war that he's waging upon us. The great lie of the enemy, again, is God can't love you. And God certainly, because he can't love you, he certainly can't use you to love others. That's where the emptiness comes. It produces, in that emptiness of love, it produces fear and panic. But John writes this, listen. First John 4:18 There is no fear in love. Listen, but perfect love casts out fear. It's Jesus to us. It's what he came to bring to us. Perfect love. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. I, I love this next part, verse 19. We love because he first loved us. This is John, who's the same writer of the text in chapter 12, right? The writer of Revelation. He's teaching us that God's perfect love for us and in us casts out the fear. What's the fear? The fear of punishment, judgment for the sin, and the fear and a panic attack of the enemy. For God is in control of all things. I love that he says this in verse 19, that we love Him and others because He first loved us. It is rooted in, comes down to us as Jesus came to earth at Christmas. He brings that love to us, right? And as He loves us, it's rooted in Him coming to us, loving us first so that we can love others. It's our destiny. It's our identity. Beloved to love. So what should be chaos is now calm when this verse is at work in our lives. Whether that's in a hospital room, whether that's through the loss of employment, a relational breakup, in all places we have the confidence of the Father who loves us. You've never lived an unloved day in your life. Perfect love produces peace, not perfect circumstances. And we do well to remember that. In the midst of chaos of the Christmas story in Revelation, what do we get? We get calm. Go back into the text. Look at verse 11. It's the best verse in the text. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. That we have conquered the dragon not by our efforts and not by our work, but by the precious blood of the Lamb, Jesus, and by our testimony to Jesus in our life, a Savior and Lord. Which is what is going to happen in the baptismal. Is what I'm inviting you to if you've never been baptized. To step in and proclaim that. The word of the testimony. That Jesus is Savior and Lord. And when we know we are victorious before the battle even comes, when we know we stand not in our own victory but in the victory of Jesus before the battle even comes, whatever that battle may be, whatever he brings against you, whatever it is, the battle has no power over us because there is calm amidst that chaos because we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus laid down his life for us so we can lay down our lives for others. You ever thought about that? Here's the truth. Loving people is hard. I work in church. (laughs) It's a whole lot easier just to sit around a church service or a Bible study and soak it in. We can't excuse ourselves from loving others. We need it as much as the next person. It takes all of us loving one another to see the testimony of Christ expand and go beyond these walls to the ends of the earth. The dragon wants us to fail at loving others. He wants to take the calm of our lives and turn it into chaos. But we must declare as children of the king, no. No. You will not take the perfect love and peace from me. And if you find yourself there, what I would encourage you to do is turn to the end of the book of Revelation. Turn with me to Revelation 20. The calm of eternity is coming. Let me show you this. Revelation 20 verse 10. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were and they will be tormented day and night. How long? Forever and ever. And then you move over to 21. Chapter 21. Just a couple of verses. Three and four. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with them. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, church. And death shall be no more, Church. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore, church, for the things, the former things have passed away. Where we know and understand that this life is only a blink in eternity, and we have the greatest story yet to live. And that's what awaits us. Listen, we've been set free. Christ came to set us free to be found by our Father. And my hope is that you have found him. And if you haven't, that you respond to the invitation to know him. And that you would in that moment receive for the first time a love so deep, so transforming, that you'll never be the same again. for those of you who may be drifted and kind of swayed away from, from rooting and identifying yourself in what God says about you and not what the world or the devil says about you, that you would come back today. Receive that love. Know your identity is in Christ and Christ alone. Know that your destiny is secured by Christ and Christ alone so that he may carry us forward until we get home. Let's pray. Father, God, help us to not forget The importance of knowing the tactics of the enemy, and even more so, the victory that's been won. Gotta pray for those within this room or those online that maybe have never experienced the victory that Christ has won for them. That today would be that day. As Christ extends his hand out to them in mercy and forgiveness, they would reach out and grab his hand in repentance and faith. They acknowledge the sin as separating them from Jesus, but Jesus has conquered that sin in their life. And in their confession of Jesus as Lord and Savior, may they be changed into a new creation. May May the word, the label of beloved child, son, or daughter of the King of Kings lay on top of them so they will know that they have never lived unloved in their life. And God, I to pray for those who will be baptized here, that in their proclamation of this moment coming out of that water, being made new as they're raised to newness of life, God, it would be an encouragement and a stirring to our own lives. And God, if there are those here who have never done that, may they see the opportunity now. And God, give them the courage and the boldness to maybe take that step that we might celebrate with them together. Jesus, we love you because you first loved us. We pray this in his name. Amen.